evidence and answers. Why are so many people mad at Christians lately? Why are followers of Jesus often lumped in with other religious fundamentalists as a dangerous threat to liberty in America? Greg Kokel suggests the heart of the problem is confusion about tolerance. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Each year, Pat hosts an apologetics conference located in beautiful Hawaii. Today, we are listening to one of the teachings taken from the 2018 apologetics conference. Today, Greg Kokel will explain the true definition of tolerance and how it got twisted to a new and dangerous definition. This new tolerance actually promotes a position of intolerance. Learn how to expose the failure of this new definition and a simple method to disarm the tolerance trick. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, on to part two of today's message entitled, Intolerance of the New Tolerance. It's humorous because all laws force a viewpoint. It's not neutral. Now, I don't object to her trying to mandate her point of view politically. I mean, this is the way it works here. It's a representative republic. We all get a vote. We got to all get a voice. I'm just saying it's not neutral. The appeal to neutrality is very attractive even persuasive. It is done all the time. You will hear it everywhere, this kind of empty appeal to neutrality, but it turns out to be a myth because the person making the appeal is never neutral. They always have a stake, but what they're trying to do is characterize their side as the neutral, loving, kind, gracious, non-bigoted, tolerant side, when in fact they have a view they think is right and they're trying to enforce that view on other people. So neutrality is a myth, and this ought to raise the question about the legitimacy of the tolerant view, that all, the so-called tolerant view that all religions are right. So that the Christian who says no, I'm right and other religions are wrong. I mean, to put it baldly, I'm not suggesting you put it that way, but just to cut to the chase, there are more elegant ways of characterizing it. For the Christian to say that, that smacks of bigotry. Okay, so now I want to address that question. Is it bigoted to think your, your religious view is the correct religious view? And the answer is no. Holding that view is not bigotry. You could be a bigot and hold the view, or you could be a bigot and oppose the view. The bigotry charge is unrelated to the view. That's a character issue. What we're talking about is a notion or an idea. I want to tell you something that happened to me on a TV show in Canada. It was a national show called The Test of Faith that was filmed out of uh, Toronto. So I got a phone call once. Well, I'm, I'm invited to go on this program the test of faith and the way it works is they bring out a religious weirdo and they put him in the hot seat they got a table there and they got three other seats there and a fourth seat for the talk show host and they put opposition in those three seats to beat up on the religious weirdo in the hot seat okay and that's what the show's about test of faith one hour where do you think mr coco was sitting by the way 
I was the weirdo in the hot seat. What was my weird religious point of view? My weird view was that I rejected religious pluralism. And in this sense, the word religious pluralism means that all religions are equally legitimate paths to God. So all religions are equally true. You don't say your view is true over somebody else's and they're wrong. No, that's intolerant. You say your view is true and their view is true and their view is true and everybody's true because all religions lead to the same God. That's religious pluralism. Now, on the merits, I think that's false. Regardless of what I happen to believe personally, I think that's a bad idea. Okay? And so I was willing to represent that on the show and they flew me out there to do that. Now, before you have a, be on a program like that, they always do an interview. And so there was a guy named, it's like a French name, um, Pierre. So Pierre calls me up. So we talk for 45 minutes or an hour. They want to find out if you're weird enough to be on the show. He said, you're weird enough. Okay, come on down. And so when I got to the studios to film the show, I met Pierre. And so we're making small talk, getting along fine. Pierre's an atheist. But I say, Pierre, I'm going to make a gentleman's bet for, with you. I'm going to tell you how this is going to go. Maybe I'm mistaken. We'll just see. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to make an argument against religious pluralism. Okay? And the people on the panel are going to ignore my argument and instead they're going to start calling me names. Intolerant, bigoted, narrow-minded, stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe it won't go that way. I'm just saying. We'll see. So I get the first time up. The cameras roll. I'm there with Valerie Pringle. I get the first five minutes to make my case. Why are you against religious pluralism? Now, I made a strategic decision at this point, and the decision was that I, instead of arguing as a Christian, I'm a Christian, I think Jesus rose from the dead, that means he's right, and if he's right, other people are wrong. QED, I made my argument, okay? I could have done that, and that's a noble way of arguing, but then I would have made Christianity kind of the target, and I didn't want that to be the target. The target was supposed to be pluralism. I wanted to stay on that notion. And so I decided, I told her, to give an argument that anyone could use against religious pluralism, regardless of what their convictions personally happen to be. And I said, here's the argument. So this is something you can use as well. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. Well, he either was the Messiah or he was not the Messiah. There's no middle ground there. If he was not the Messiah, guess what? The Christians are wrong on a pretty important issue, right? And the Jews are right on that issue. But if it turns out that he is the Messiah, well, the Jews are wrong and the Christians are right. But under no circumstance can they both be right. Are you with me so far? All right. If God exists, maybe it's an open question. But he's either a personal God or not. Like a kind of force or something like we were talking about earlier. If it turns out that God is personal then the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims are right in that point, and the Hindus are wrong. If it turns out that God is personal, then the Hindus are right, and the Jews and Christians and Muslims are wrong. But under no circumstance can they both be right. With me so far? When you die, maybe you go to heaven or hell, maybe you get reincarnated, maybe you lie in the grave, but you can't do them all at the same time. Somebody is mistaken. In fact, it's possible they're all mistaken, but they can't all be right. It's not bigotry. It's simple math. Religions make contradictory and incommensurable truth claims. They give different pictures of reality. And notice I'm not talking here about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. 
I'm talking about the nature of God, the nature of salvation, and the nature of the afterlife. These are foundational concerns that there is disagreement on. They can't all be right. So we go to break, and then the first person comes out opposing me. He's a Sikh from Toronto. His name is T. Sher Singh. And Valerie Pringle says, Mr. Singh, he's a barrister, an attorney. Mr. Singh, what do you think about what Mr. Kokel had to say? And he says, well, if Mr. Kokel thinks he won the lottery, good for him. Huh? What's he talking about? Well, what he did is he went to our website at Stand to Reason, did a little analysis, realized that we're Christians. Christians think they're going to heaven. We won the lottery. Good for you. So he starts out a little passive-aggressive, but he didn't stay passive for long. And he's hammering away at me, and he's angry. And, in fact, Valerie has to push him down in his seat a couple of times because he's coming across the table at me with a piece of paper, shaking it like this. And then they bring out a Hindu pastor, and then they bring out a, a Christian pastor from the United Church of Canada, which is a very liberal group. And they're all pluralists, and they all think that I'm wrong. And it's very interesting what ha happened next. Pretty soon, certain, certain words start creeping into their vocabulary. Words like intolerant and narrow-minded and arrogant. Now, were they answering my argument? No, they were fulfilling my prophecy. In fact, at one point I said, you know, it's interesting how the conversation has changed. We started out talking about pluralism, and somehow we got off onto a different discussion, a discussion about Mr. Kokel's personality. Mr. Kokel's intolerant, he's ter uh, into uh, intolerant, he's bigoted, he's narrow-minded, whatever. So you're saying Mr. Kokel's mean, apparently. How about if I just do this? How about if I just agree with you that I mean, so that we can get back onto the thing that we're supposed to be talking about here? And by the way, I know you think my view is false as a Christian. That's why you're opposing it. Okay, that's fine. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't hurt my feelings. But if my view is false, as you're implying, then my religious view is not a true one. Then at least the kind of Christianity that I hold is not a sound religious belief. Or put in other words, it's not a legitimate way to God. See where I'm going with this? In other words, if you're right in your attack on me as a Christian, then you're wrong about what we're supposed to be talking about here. That all roads lead to God. They didn't get it. <laughs> One whole hour, they didn't get it. I'll tell you who got it. The atheist got it. And he bounded up on the stage after we were all done, and he was hopping mad, and he was using language appropriate for an atheist to describe his anger at the Sikh. You know, there's nothing unusual about thinking that your view is correct. Everybody thinks their view is correct. And every view can't be correct. Because we're not talking about ice cream here. We are talking about insulin. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm open to discuss that. But everybody can't be right. It's not bigotry. It's simple math. I want to show you how to deal with what I call the passive-aggressive tolerance trick. That is, when somebody act like they're tolerant and you're intolerant and they call you intolerant. Now you're stuck because they call you intolerant and you don't want to look like the bad guy, but you're thinking, well, maybe you're not the bad guy. Why did they just do that? Okay. 
Here's what you do every time somebody calls you a name like that. You always ask our first Columbo question. Do you remember what it was? What do you mean by that? So if a person says to me, oh, you're intolerant, I want to know, what do you mean by intolerant? What do you mean by intolerant? Now I know what they mean when they call me intolerant. And they'll tell me, well, you think you're right. You're the one who's right. Everybody else is wrong. Now, let me ask you a question. When I give a point of view, do you think that I think I'm right? Sure. If I could be mistaken. I'm willing to talk about it. But if I didn't believe that my beliefs were true, I would not believe what I believe. I would believe something else and believe that were true. Just like everybody else. And this is the key here just like everybody else. In other words, I'm not the only person in this conversation who thinks his view is correct. The person who's calling me intolerant thinks he's right too. So now I have another question. Do you think you're right? I just want to get this out on the table. I could tell him that, but asking the question is more effective. He says, you're intolerant. I say, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you think you're right. I said, well, I do think I'm right, but do you think you're right? What's he going to say? No, I'm wrong. Of course he thinks he's right. Now I got a final question. Why is it when I think I'm right, I'm intolerant, but when you think you're right, you're just right? What am I missing here? Of course, I'm not missing anything. He's missing it, or she, depending. They're the ones who have changed the subject. We were talking about an issue, now we're talking about my personality. And all they're doing is calling me names when they do that. That's it. What would happen if a person said, well, you're intolerant? I said, well, well you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom dresses you funny. No, I would never do that for two reasons. First, it's bad manners. Secondly, it's irrelevant. Can an ugly person be right on something? Of course. Can they be wrong on something? Yes. Can a bigoted person be right on something? Can an intolerant person be right on some of these things? Could, yeah, can a narrow-minded person be right? You see, calling a person any of those things never addresses the issue. All it is is name-calling. And that little series sequence of questions will help you to uncover it. Now, I'm not trying to push them in a corner and do a gotcha on you. I'm just trying to help people to see that they're barking up the wrong tree. You know who Jordan Peterson is? Some of you might know who Jordan Peterson is. He did this, the exact same thing on an interview with a woman. Have you seen this? He did the gotcha thing. He actually said gotcha, but he did the exact same thing. He's a conservative academic from the University of Toronto who is kind of a darling right now on the conservative right because he doesn't put up with any nonsense and he can maneuver really well in conversations. And so he used the same thing in that kind of conversation. All right, let me tell you why this thing happens, and I'll close, I'll close with this. It happened because there's been a topsy-turvy with the concept of tolerance, all right? So this is my third point. First, there's no neutrality. Secondly, it's not bigoted to think that you're right about anything, especially religion. And when it comes to religions, lots of people are wrong. <laughs> Everybody can't be right. The third, the third point has to do with the present state of tolerance in our culture now. I was asked, I was doing a, a talk over at Des Moines, Iowa, and I, on a weekend, and on Monday I had a, the day free. Uh, the next day I was going to go to the University of Iowa and do some work there, and so I was asked to come to a Christian school and address this group of Christian young people, students, okay? It was a small class, a religion class. Would you talk to the class? You can talk about whatever you want. And I said I'd be glad to, which I lied. 
because I'm not wild about talking to young people, but I was still willing to. Maybe I'll put it that way. Because talking to young people to me is like talking to a painting, you know. They're just there, you know. There are some exceptions to this, but they just sit there and... <laughs> are you going to laugh? No. You gonna... We're not going to laugh. Maybe you guys are exceptions. We are a little lower. <laughs> little lower. I'm talking like high schoolers, right? Okay, so, so anyway, so these kids streamed in, and there was a table there, like a lunch table. They all streamed in behind on one side. There's about a dozen of them. They all sat there, and they're looking at me, and it's like the Last Supper, you know? <laughs> So I wanted to talk to them about this uh, tolerance business, and I started asking them what uh, tolerance was. And uh, we finally got a definition that I think is a good working definition that I wrote on the board. And this is what I wrote on the board. This is the postmodern definition of tolerance. It's the only definition of tolerance they know. It's a postmodern one. And here's what I wrote. All views are equally valid. We're no view is better than any other, okay? So this is completely non-controversial, all right? Yeah, that's what we believe. Yeah, well, everybody's right. Great. Then I wrote another sentence on the board, and here's what I wrote. Jesus is the Messiah. Jews are wrong for rejecting him. Oh, them's fighting words, aren't they? And in fact, now the painting came alive. And there was a young lady sitting off to the one side of the table. She's waving her arms, and she says to me, remember, this is a Christian group. She says to me, you can't say that. That's intolerant. Oh. And then she goes, how would you like it if somebody told you you were wrong? Think about it. <laughs> I said, you mean like you're doing to me right now, young lady? I want you to see what this kind of perspective has done to our young people. It has given them the liberty to feel offended whenever anyone disagrees with them. How would you like it if somebody told you you were wrong? Doesn't bother me a bit. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> so I looked at these two lines on the board, and I circled the first one. All views are equally valid. No view is better than any other. And I asked this question. I said, is that a view? They looked at it and said, uh-huh. Then I circled the second one. Jesus is Messiah. Jews are wrongs for rejecting him. And I asked the same question. Is that a view? Oh. Is this going to be on the test? <laughs> Finally, I got their painful response, yes, that's a view. I said, boy, this is interesting, isn't it? If tolerance means that all views are equally valid, no view is better than, that, than any other, and that Jesus is Messiah and Jesus is wrong for re rejecting him is a view, then you have to say that that view is what? Just as valid as any other, and if you object to it, that makes you what? intolerant by your own definition. And this happens all the time. By that definition of tolerance, all views are equally valid, including the views that say that all views are not equally valid. You know what that's called? That is called a contradiction. That's nonsense. But this is the operating definition, which is why Jordan Peterson can catch this girl. She's an educated woman, a, a class act, doing the news on TV, and she gets caught totally flat-footed. And he can say, gotcha. She does not know where to go with it. She's babbling. Did you see it? She's going, uh, 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 
Oh, ah, uh, uh, wait a minute. Whoa, ah, 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 right? I'm overacting just a little bit, but it was pretty embarrassing. This happens all the time. The best and the brightest do it. So I told the students, you, you want to know how to fix this problem. You have to return to the classical definition of tolerance. And so I erased the board and I wrote the classical definition down. Here's the first point of the classical definition. I got this from Peter Kreft from Boston College, by the way, this characterization. First point, be egalitarian regarding persons. Now, they didn't know what egalitarian meant. They were only high school seniors, for goodness sake. So I said, be, treat people equally with equal value and respect. So that's the first line. By the way, where does this notion come from? That we ought to treat human beings with equal value and respect. I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from a Christian worldview because we've got the stuffing for that kind of point of view. We've got the traction because we are convinced that human beings are made in the image of God and therefore certain things follow from that. If you don't believe human beings are made in the image of God, you think human beings have evolved from primates and from scum originally, you're not going to get the rule to treat human beings with equal respect and dignity. It doesn't work in that worldview. It's a puzzle piece that doesn't fit the way the world actually is. Anyway, this is part of Christian worldview, okay? So then I wrote the second sentence, the second part. Be elitist regarding ideas. Now I asked what an elitist was. They knew that. An elitist is a snob. Well, what's a snob? Well, a snob is somebody who thinks they're better than somebody else. I said, that's right. We should be snobby about ideas. In other words, we should think that some ideas are better than other ideas. Now, why would anyone be tempted to think that? Because they are. <laughs> some ideas are good, some are bad. Some are stupid, some are smart, some are dangerous. And we ought to have the liberty in our cultural conversation to be able to figure out which is which. But we don't have that liberty because people are silenced with name-calling, and it's called tolerance. In fact, what has happened with the definition of tolerance is it's gone topsy-turvy. This is the classical view. Be egalitarian with regards to ideas, I'm sorry, persons, and be elitist regarding ideas the postmodern tolerance has twisted it all around. The postmodern view is exactly the opposite. Be egalitarian regarding ideas and be elitist with regards to people. That is, if you don't hold the egalitarian regarding ideas, that all ideas are equally valid, if you don't hold that view, then the elites can put you down. They can make you suffer. They can cause you pain. They can take away your job. And this is happening all over the country, just because people are not marching in lockstep with largely the political left, which is deeply hostile to what you hold to be true as a follower of Christ. So here's my close. Realize, first of all, there's no neutrality. People who act like they're neutral and take the high moral ground just pay attention to what they say and then graciously point it out. They're not neutral. Secondly, there's nothing wrong at all with thinking that your religion is the correct one. It is not bigotry. The idea that all religions can't be true is simply math. And third, what passes for tolerance nowadays 
Postmodern tolerance is exactly the opposite of the thing that has been considered a virtue. Classical tolerance. Tolerance has become intolerance, and intolerance has become tolerance. Don't fall for it. Instead, see what's going on, and then with grace, kindness, mental sharpness, using questions, trusting in the Lord, try to help the other side to see the foolishness of their grace. All right? Amen. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps at a conference, please give him a call. Locally in Hawaii, that's 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. To keep this broadcast on the air, you have the opportunity to donate. Head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism including articles, additional audio for you to listen to or download, as well as Pat's books. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran. Oh, 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 oh,